0: this is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell United States Marine Corps retired
1: as for the enemies of freedom those who are potential adversaries they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people we will negotiate for it sacrifice for it we will not surrender for it now or ever.
0: Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and I got another special guest. He has been on the podcast before. His name is Dr. Dell Walker absolutely a genius in my mind when it's associated with the government and understanding the government budget and the spending and the waste that the government does. So I'm bringing him back today to get more of the great information that our education system and most people refuse to tell us. So again, an individual that does a lot of research that can help us understand the situations in our country and what can we do about it. without further ado, Welcome, Dr. Walker. Glad you're here.
1: Thank you, Bud. Glad to be here. Uh, In the the first paragraph of the Constitution uh, before the articles, it talks about uh, provide for the common defense and promote the general welfare. And I think what Congress has done is they've used the the, uh, term general welfare to mean entitlements. I think that's what they've used to to make the government grow in that general welfare just means that uh, you can add whatever you want to as long as it benefits all the people. But number one, it's a misinterpretation of what it means. And number two, uh, what's been added is not benefited everybody. It just benefits certain groups. And what I did uh, in one of my articles is... On life, uh, called life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and the general welfare. And if you look in the dictionary, the, the the version of the definition of welfare, and I'm sure this was the definition that was used then, because there was no such thing as entitlements back then. Uh, but the dictionary says the health, happiness, and fortunes of a person or group you must look out for your own welfare. I think that's all that means. And it's been, been used and abused uh, to make the government grow. Uh, and it's it, it's kind of where we are. I mean, we're at a crisis right now. And uh, the, 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 the convention uh, of states has, has got to take place uh, in order to stop this. and. Um, People just need to know, understand, that if you learn, if you learn history and, and what, what happened with me is not only the, 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 the uh, learning about the Constitution, is that when I studied my geolo- genealogy and the, learned my mother's family came here from Germany in 1733 prior to the American Revolution, And and they were here in 1733. And believe it or not, I had probably six of those ancestors fought in the American Revolution. Uh, And when you learn why they came here uh, and what they wanted, they just wanted freedom is all they wanted. They wanted safety. They wanted freedom of religion. They wanted to teach your kids uh, how to do things right. Right. Um, they
0: want to be let. They wanted to be left alone from what
1: absolutely. what you would
0: absolutely. call tyranny. And one of the examples that I use when I'm explaining to someone what the general welfare clause means and what the intent was is this: Let's say you're a farmer and you got you know 200 cows in this big pasture and you got a fence all around, right? Well. Cows are cows. You know, they walk around, they eat, they do what they got to do. They live their lives. They don't have any, you know, reference of having to worry, per se. But however, there are animals, you know, wolves and stuff that will want to get into that fence and attack that cow. Mm -hmm. The general welfare cause is that purpose. That's what the purpose of the American government is, is to protect us from basically from harm outside, and not necessary the you know the harm that's inside. The state's responsibility is to take care of the people within their states. The federal government is really general welfare cause was to make sure that you didn't have any more tyrants, or you didn't have any more countries that that you you know were fighting for and stuff. If if America really felt the general welfare clause was necessary and used appropriately. There's a lot of wars we wouldn't have fought because it had nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with our internal nation. I mean, it may have had some kind of political influence or something like that, but we wasn't being, you know, uh, we wouldn't be attacked. or if we didn't go to this war, our country would be, you know, broken or have issues. And that's the misuse of, like I said, the general welfare clause. And it exactly. just escalated from there. So
1: Exactly. Well, those people, the, the immigrants that came here, they came from many different countries. And uh, they came here and uh, they associated the people of their own kinds, mainly because of the culture and, and the language. Uh, and they formed 13 colonies. And there are different nationalities in each of those colonies and all they wanted was the federal government to protect them from what they like from what they had in Europe and Asia and it was like 900 wars in 300 years it was just incredible and uh, if you read the, the Declaration of Independence they go through the list all the things that the King of England had done uh, to these people. Uh, and this is it's not what they wanted. They wanted to just come here and be free. They wanted they wanted the government to protect them from, from foreign uh, countries. Uh, they wanted one you know there are like eight things that they wanted the government to do, and that's it. And and that that those eight services are backed up by the Tenth Amendment, and it says basically that's it. Anything else uh is related to the states or to the people and we violated the 10th amendment i don't know how many times but they just they just they wanted to be here they wanted a lot of them were farmers my family were all farmers and Mm they kept kept moving west until they found uh territory that was that was similar to being at home uh and a lot of what you see in, in studying genealogy is these families would have anywhere from eight to 12 kids. And there's a reason for that because they were, they, there was a uh, language barrier for people around them and they used their children to work farms. And that's 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 the way they did things. And, and they generally they moved as a group uh, with the same language. They kind of moved together. But uh, the more you study about genealogy and, and the more I read them Constitution, it just it just makes so much sense, and and these poor people that went through all those wars in Europe, man, it's just it's just incredible. And if we don't stop it, it's going to happen here. Absolutely, government out of control, and and we lose all our rights, and uh, we can't protect our family if they take away the Second Amendment. I mean, we're we're just we're gonna we're gonna be in bad shape.
0: Yeah. Well, Dr. Walker, we're gonna take a little break. And okay. when we come back, continue uh, discussion again about the general welfare clause or whichever direction you wanna go. And okay. hopefully we can get some answers to people that are concerned about how America's supposed to be. And once you know it's how it's supposed to be, it's easier to understand why it's
2: not the way it is. So we'll be right back. Okay. General welfare does not mean anything they want. People point to the General Welfare Clause in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution to support the idea that the federal government can do just about anything. In fact, proponents of a national bank in 1791 used this clause as one of their constitutional justifications. But Thomas Jefferson vigorously opposed this expansive reading of the clause during the bank debate. He said this anything and everything approach to promoting the general welfare would drastically expand the scope and power of the federal government. On top of that, he warned that establishing a national bank on this basis would enable Congress to take possession of a boundless field of power, which would give it the means to do whatever evil they please. Jefferson didn't base this argument on mere hyperbolic assertions. He offered a detailed breakdown of the clause, showing it is not a broad grant of authority. Jefferson first noted that the General Welfare Clause authorizes Congress to tax only for the general welfare, not for the benefit of specific regions, specific interests, or specific people. It is actually a limitation on the taxing power. Of course, this still leaves a lot of wiggle room for dishonest politicians. They can come up with all kinds of things that might promote the general welfare, including a national bank. But Jefferson slammed the door on that idea, too, pointing out that if the clause delegated a distinct and independent power to do any act they please, which might be for the good of the Union, it would render all the preceding and subsequent enumerations of power completely useless. Simply put, the general welfare clause is limited by the enumerated powers that follow. The feds can only do the things on that short list to promote the general welfare.
0: Okay, we're back with Dr. Walker. Thank you very much for being with us today. It's amazing um, how we have such uh, great patriots that are willing to to share their knowledge and their research with us. So Dr. Walker's with us here today talking about the welfare clause and it's just awesome information and especially how it deals with all the way back from immigration days and the purpose of people immigrating to America. Well, welcome back, Dr. Walker.
1: Thanks, sir. Glad to be back.
0: So, like you, my my uh, immigration process, well, I guess that's what we want to call it, is from my dad's side, my, uh, I don't know how many great grandfathers, probably like six, number six or something like great, great, you know how that works. His name was Patrick Cornwell. He came across in 1852 from actually Liverpool, England, but he was from Dublin, Ireland. And okay. if you look at the history books, that's when the potato fi- famine was happening, during that time okay. frame. So he it, he was 20 years old and starving to death. So they he pretty much escaped with every bit of dollar that he had to get on the boat from Ireland to Liverpool, England, and had to wait weeks before he was even able to get on to a ship, a transcontinental ship to get to America and landed in Pennsylvania. And that's where my family started. Mm -hmm. However, on my mother's side. My mother is directly from Germany. She came here in 1961 after Mm -hmm. marrying my dad in the army. So, and she has what I call a straight, you know, family tree, Shrek all the way up. (laughs) You know, you can, you can trace her lineage all the way back to probably the beginning of time. That's how, you know wow. how tight that you know that yeah. Shrek family That's is true. so but uh, but same thing she and I'm gonna leave it with this is she, when she when she migrated here she could speak English but n- not that good right. but she could enough to get by of course she could speak fluent German and French yeah. and other different languages so but what's interesting is when she came here guess what she did she learned English really good, and she refused to teach us any other language. Cool, because she believed in America. She said, wow. "No, I am American. I want to be an American." That's a true immigrant. That's a person that comes here that just leaves their world that they lived in the past. They come in and assimilate to the to the the great patriotism that we have. And my mom is a huge, gigantic American patriot. <laughs> she can't stand to watch somebody burn the American flag. But guess what? I
1: can imagine.
0: Because she lived through it, she lived through sure. World War II, and yep. you know, and seen the devastation and, and all that when she was growing up. And it's just, uh, and she just, she really is kind of upset because so many people don't understand it. So
1: right. Well, my my great grandmother uh, was named Kelly, and my mother told her, told me that her family came over here during a potato famine, like yours did. So that, that kind of fits, and it, and it, uh, uh, it, it it's really amazing. The, the, the study of genealogy and how it helps you uh, determine or understand what those poor people went through in Europe and Asia and around the world with all those wars and the tyrants, and, and it's just it's – it's incredible.
0: Yep, and so that, see, that ties into the, the original intent of the General Welfare Clause.
1: That's correct.
0: Was create a country where people can live in peace, right? Not have right. all this tyranny around them. Right. Not be afraid of the, you know, the English king or anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, develop a new way of life where the people are the power. The people are the ones that determine their lives, not the government. Right. And,
1: and they didn't they did not want a government to give them things either. They wanted exactly they wanted to farm. They wanted to raise their children. And they wanted to make their own living without without interference from the government. And the, one of the things that I learned in, in tracking you know, these migrants from, from when they got in Philadelphia and they started moving west is that one of the first, when they settled in a, an area that they wanted to stay in, the first thing they did was build a church. And they also used that church as a school building because they wanted their children not only have an education, but they wanted to, to learn how to be a good Christian. And that's kind of gone away, as you know. Right. <laughs> they oh, yeah. It and uh, it's, it's a real shame. It really is. Those, those values were so good.
0: Well, it put people first. And that's what the Bible tells us too. You know, Jesus says that you have to humble yourselves. And the two greatest commandments is love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How hard is that?
1: That's not hard at all. And
0: these people believe that. Mm -hmm. They believed in community, working together, and you know, when the country first started, when I say first started, this is probably back in you know the mid 1600s when it was kind of developing. Right. This new uh, mm-hmm. living in the wilderness and having to fight off animals and, you know, uh, the Indian population attacking them. You know, it just the lifespan of an adult was probably about thirty five. You know, those kind of things, right. because it was right. just so hard to live that way. But they didn't give up. They wanted to be here. Could you imagine living in a comfortable place in France or Germany or, you know, Ireland, England? And you're thinking, hey, there's this great new country that's coming up. Right. And we have an opportunity to to populate to this new country and get out of this tyranny and taxes and all that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So they pack up their bags, you know, I'm talking this, you know, the middle class rich people, right? Mm-hmm. And they pack up their bags and their families and the communities and they all migrate to America in the 1700s, early 1700s. Right. And they're going, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Where's my house? You know, where's the, you know, where's the city? You know, those kind of things that they're yeah. that doesn't exist. You have all to right. start from scratch. The government is not going to give you a house just because you came to America. Right. Which if we, if they had their chance today, they would, they would provide everything for anybody that crossed over. And again, that's for power and voting, but back then it didn't happen that way. So even the people that thought and lived in a comfortable environment, when they hit the grounds in America, they had to understand you've got to work with your community. you got to work together or you can't survive.
1: Right. And they, also, they also worked uh, uh, as slaves to, to get to earn money and, and, and yep. to feed your family. Um, and one, one thing I learned when they migrated and they started migrating out of Europe, they moved north uh, up, to, up through uh, the coast uh, in Spain. I think and the Queen of England felt sorry for him and she thought that she could she she encouraged them to come to England because she thought she could use particularly for their farming skills she could use them uh, in Great Britain but uh, she found she couldn't afford all of that so that's when she basically put them on ships and sent them to America and when they they when they when they got here uh, they had to pay for that that trip. And, uh, that's when they first started, uh, uh, having to work for other people and, and pay that trip and then, uh, start finding a place to to raise their family.
0: And a lot of people think that, you know, quote, the African-American came from the slave trade. Of course, there were some that were brought over as slaves in the ships, but, all populations and ethnicities in this world populated to America, even black people from Africa and India and and all the, all those places. Right. Right. And they were families just like the white people and, you know, the Italians and so forth. And they did the same thing. They became part of the population and, and grew and became prosperous. Yeah, It's, you know, it's a, it's amazing how many people think that the only reason that the the black population was here is because of slavery and that's just yeah, absolutely that's not, not true, true. Yeah. there's a yeah. there was basically a whole lot less slave population compared to what actually migrated here from different parts of the world absolutely
1: well yeah. one of the, the things that bothers me that's going on right now is is the racial issue and what I have a term that, that I use is that it's not it's not about color, it's about culture. Yes. And every, even even those that came from Europe and Asia, they all have a different culture. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin was, they all did things different. And that's okay. Because that's what made America great is is all this diversity. And we gotta get away from this racial stuff because yeah. it it's just it's bootless very it's very, really. it's very d- divisive it
0: and is. you start you, you divide people thinking that there's you know color skin culture all that stuff is what separates us and makes us different right. instead of the character of each other it's very difficult to come back to that it's very difficult yeah. to to reestablish a connection of trust and You know, those things, because you're automatically being bucketed. But this is exactly textbook exact Marxism. This is how it's done. Once you break them down and separate them, then you can have power over those groups. And once you have powers over those groups, then you can tell those people how to act. You can regulate it and you can say this is appropriate and this is not. You can do this, but you can't do that. Right, you know right. And that's uh, that's that's terrible, and this is this is exactly what's happening. And those that are listening, I've done a couple podcasts on CRT. <laughs> I'm going. I don't know if I'll ever be able to finish talking about CRT. There's so much involved in it with right. critical race theory that's going on. Right. I got a another podcast that's coming up soon that I found even more detail on how the transformation from critical theory into critical race theory. So there is a critical theory, which again came out of Germany and understanding what critical theory is. And then they tied it into to make it what they want it to be Sure. in the 50s and the 60s during the civil rights era. That's when it turned into critical race theory when they added more and more to it and now you have just a bunch of uh what i consider divisive ways of separating people An oppressor and oppressor oppressor and oppressive yep. it's 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 sad how they're doing this it is <clears throat> the only people it. the only people in this country that are oppressed are people that want to be oppressed right If you don't want to be oppressed, there are legal ways and other ways to ensure you're not oppressed. That's what laws are for. A group is not going to stop you from being oppressed. You can't become a member of a group and then all of a sudden you're not going to be oppressed anymore. It doesn't work that way.
1: Well, I can see another article coming on the critical race theory.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, like I said, it's not, uh, it's not something that you can stop talking about. It's just, right. it's so intensive information that's going on and thank God we have parents and, you know, people going into the school boards and standing up to this mm-hmm. and just to let you know, uh, I went to my school board last month meeting and we was there listening to the school board. And of course, when they opened up, they had, uh, said a prayer first, then we did the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, and then cool. they conducted the meeting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: After the meeting was over, uh, a friend of mine went up, uh, we went up and talked to the board and we specifically asked them, okay, we I want to know what your thoughts is on this CRT and is, are we teaching it? And all the board members were still there. I mean, they were getting up, getting ready to walk out, but they were all there and they all looked at uh, uh, me and and Mike and basically said, there is no nothing. There is no way that we are going to change our opinion about CRT not being taught in this school, in the school system, mm-hmm. in, in in our county. It mm-hmm. is not going to happen. And and this is what they stressed: if we find a teacher that is teaching it. We will ensure that the cr- appropriate action is taken.
1: Cool. So this
0: good. is this is what this is what America is. There, right. these people know. This county knows. They are not going to divide this county. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it was it was good to hear that. So yeah. I, I so I don't have to go to a school board and stand up and scream and holler about CRT because it <laughs> ain't going to happen. At least not here.
1: So well, I need to I need to go to some school board meetings here and see what's going on because I yeah uh, my concern is that they're they're teaching social issues and that belong that kind of stuff belongs at home. They need to stick to, to the basic subjects that they're supposed to be teaching these kids and stay away from sex and all that other stuff. That that's that, that's not their that's not their deal. That's insane to think that
0: uh, the that mm-hmm. our kids in in grade school, K through twelve,
1: yeah. that
0: you would even talk about that in, in a public setting. Yeah,
1: totally.
0: Could you imagine? You know, even as young as third, fourth, fifth grade. You know, that's when you kind of started. You know, getting close to girls and maybe you know having mm-hmm. girlfriends and writing letters to each other and those kind of things. Yep. Couldn't you imagine being at that age and then sitting in a quote sex education class and they're showing oh, yeah. you all the different. Parts and how to do it and everything, and yeah. I, and you look at your girlfriend, and you're going, no, I couldn't even imagine that.
1: I couldn't either. I think I way. would,
0: I would consider it abuse. I think oh, it's child it, abuse.
1: It is abuse. Uh, it's violating parental rights too.
0: So how does, how does the welfare clause supposed to protect us from that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I think what it's supposed to do, it, uh, I mean, the, the government is limited, period, to those acts right. that they're supposed to do. And you were talking about uh, a minute ago, and I've, I've got a, uh, a sentence here that was out of some of my research, and it said, the legislators of a large republic would be unable to remain in touch with the people they represented and the republic would inevitably degenerate into a tyranny.
0: Absolutely. That's that's exactly what's happening.
1: That's where we're going.
0: Yep. It's where the pub, the public is being minimized with their ability to run and dictate their lives. Right. And when we fight against it, and this is the sad part, especially when it's associated with these movements, CRT, BLM. Yes. So it's it's like an opposite. When we say, wait a minute, this ain't right, and we fight against it, what do they do? They call us racist. No, you're just being right. racist. Right. I'm going, wait a minute. Absolutely. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going the opposite <laughs> direction. I don't want the people to be racist to any race. You know, so that right. uh, Dan Bongino used a word the other night. And I need to go look it up. There's a word for what that's called. You know, where the no matter basically no matter what you say, you'll never be right with these people because they always have a way of twisting it back around.
1: Well, if they if they disagree with you, they call you a racist. That I mean that's the way exactly. they get out of it. They don't want, they, they're not they're not smart enough to argue about it. They're just yep. gonna call you a racist and be done with it.
0: They well, they don't have a foundation for their argument. They don't, and when you stand up and you start just like in the CRT in the in these. School board meetings, when they're talking about this, right, what does the school board try to do? They want to shut them up. They don't come back and say, okay, well, you're saying this, then explain that. They just go, okay, you're done. You're done. I mean, listening to these school board members basically scream at the public, you know, and saying, hey, you know, you're done. You're out of control. And I'm just going, what? (laughs) It's insane. So, yeah. But uh, one it's something
1: one thing else. I want to mention before we before we close. But, yes, sir. Uh, my new book, The Make American Great Again: The Only Way Out." Uh, it's in three. It's in three sections, and the first section. If I can turn the page here. Uh, it is a list of constitutional values, and there's like twenty-seven of them. And then the second section is where we went wrong, things that we've done uh, that, that violate the Constitution. And the third section is the only way out. And the reason I mention the only way out is because there's two sections in here. Uh, one is the Convention of States and the Constitutional Convention, and the other one is Convention of States and Article 5 of the US Constitution. And those are in my book.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yes, definitely check out this book. Um, Can you get it on Amazon now? I know uh, initially it wasn't available.
1: Uh, If not, can you tell us where to go get it? Make American Great Again is from uh, Westwood Books Publishing Company. You You can get it on their website.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yep. Well, Dale, I uh, absolutely appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to have you on here, and we will continue the discussion. Um, There's a lot to learn, a lot our audience needs to understand the truth so that when they hear this radical, like 1619 policy and the New York Times, all (laughs) that come out. Well, if you don't have a foundation, even... I would say even the basic foundation that we had in school, you know, like talking about the legislation and how the government's formed and all that, that's all good. But even that's not good enough to understand how, how we have to fight against what's happened.
1: That's right. You have
0: to have the real, the real knowledge and exactly how the country was formed, why the constitution was put together the way it was not just the words in it, but why did it get developed that way? And Ask yourself this. Why has that constitution been adopted by more countries in the world than any other constitution?
1: I know it. You know, know there's it. a
0: reason behind that. But if you yeah. don't have that foundation, then you're gonna drift into this Marxist world. That's and you're gonna to think you're gonna think that this 1619 and this slavery thing is the truth oh, when God. it when it really isn't. So yeah, it will. So thank you very much. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and we'll get you back on the, the podcast soon. Go check out the book. So, what's the full title of the book?
1: Uh, Make America Great Again: The Only Way Out.
0: Awesome. Go check you know, it out today.
1: Another one is Constitution's Crisis, and that's that was one I started, and that one that one kind of got me involved in the Constitution and, and going forward with this. And and plus genealogy really just, just uh made it all work.
0: That one. Hmm. I said this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. My book.
0: I got your book. Just haven't oh, gotten it cool. signed yet. So
1: oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we need we need to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll uh we'll be able to meet together soon. But again, yeah. thank you very much. Have a wonderful day and we look yeah. forward to you coming back.
1: Anytime, bud. Just let me know.
0: Yes, sir. We'll talk to you later.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Bye.
0: Dr. Walker is always a great guest on our show. Love hearing about his knowledge, especially as it relates to the federal government and the issues that we're dealing with fiscal departments of the government, etc. Very, very knowledgeable on that. We'll be bringing him back more times than often to give us knowledge about. The situation with the federal government please share the podcast far and wide simple stand up show up speak up this is the gunny out